Breaking the stigma of addiction. This is Zach's life, a story of love, addiction, loss, grief, and recovery. Reflecting on Zachary Horton and others in our community, both, both inside and outside of their addiction. addiction. Hosted by Jim Horton of the Zachary Horton Foundation. Hello, everyone. Today I'm here with Jerome Piper from Aspire Counseling Services. I met Jerome, uh, I think the first time we met was probably back in, in December. Uh, we had a, a little get-together between our organization and a lot of the uh, recovery programs uh, uh, here in Fresno. And um, boy, since we met, I got to tell you just what a pleasure it's been uh, seeing how you work, seeing your commitment uh, to, to the community. And uh, the collaboration that we've been able to put together has has been fantastic. Yes, thank you. It's, um, it's been um, really um, a good process. And just um, being welcomed into the community of Fresno. Um, moved here about a year ago, and so um, it's really made this um, uh, progression really special. That's right, and, and uh, so it's interesting, you, you, you came from Bakersfield, and uh, so the connection there is, I was born in Bakersfield. All right, yeah, all right. You know, uh, of course, you came a year ago, and I came to Bakersfield almost 60 years ago this okay. summer. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little different, but but again, a lot the same, a, a connection there nonetheless. Um, Jerome, tell me a little bit about what, what Aspire is, and then I, I, then I want to get right into your story. But take a, a couple minutes and tell me about what kind of work you do there. All right, so I'm the executive director of the SUD um, Substance Use Disorder Program here in Fresno. Um, Aspire is a uh, behavioral health and substance use disorder treatment facility. Uh, we have our uh, corporate office in Bakersfield where we have a behavioral health and a substance use program. And then we also have the similar programs in Santa Clarita, Simi Valley, uh, San Luis Obispo, and then obviously here in Fresno. And so here in Fresno, we have a intensive outpatient um, program for adolescents. And then we have a partial hospitalization program and IOP or intensive outpatient program for adults. And so um, IOP is going to be three days a week for three hours each session. And then uh, PHP is going to be five days a week for six hours each session. And so uh, pretty much we're um, in network with most uh, major insurance companies, even some of the more difficult ones um, um, like United Healthcare, um, Magellan. Um, and we also um, um, provide, a, we do an assessment, um, we do a, a psyche valve, um, we refer out for detox services and um, also for um, residential treatment. So an uh, uh, individual that comes into our program doesn't actually stay at our site. They, they come in for a certain allotted amount of time and then they would go home or go to a sober living. Or wherever they um, okay, so, so so let me clarify for our audience. It, you mentioned you do substance use disorder, right? So in the old days, we'd call that chemical dependency, yeah. right? So that's dealing with, with addiction services. Yeah. But then you said well, you do behavioral health also. So, uh, and, and I know there's a, a term uh, that was new to me just last year, and we refer to co-occurring issues. And so a lot of times there are mental health issues that runs side by side right. with with addiction issues. And again, 
I saw that very, very evident with, with my son, with Zach. He really struggled with, with depression. And that was something that just connected very, very closely and, and led into some of the addiction issues that we saw. So you, you, what percentage of the time do you see those co-occurring in, in the assessments that you do? Uh, I would say that it's uh, very um, often that um, an individual that has um, a um, chemical dependency does have some um, behavioral um, health concerns also. Um, however, you know, what our approach is we want to stabilize the um, you know, chemical um, dependency to see if the symptoms increase or decrease because a lot of times the, uh, the addiction could uh, be increasing the symptoms. So, you know, obviously we want to stabilize the, the um, addiction and then we can uh, um, reassess at that time and see. I, I think that there's such a benefit to looking at, at both of those areas because oftentimes, and I've, I've, seen this, I've seen this happen where one part is treated and the other part is ignored. And then inevitably, while you can stabilize, but then if you release right back to the community, then whatever the problems were, they just go right back to where they were. So, yeah, when we can talk about, you know, that more more later. In. And again, I, I, I love what you do. I love the approach that your uh, that your company takes. And so I wanted people to know that if uh, uh, at the at the end of the program today, you'll get some contact information for uh, for Jerome and and his company, and uh, and again, feel feel free to contact him if there's a, if you're interested in in an assessment, uh, if you're interested just in talking a little more to to find out about their program. I, I know that he'd be uh, uh, really really pleased to to have you reach out. Uh, Jerome, now I'd, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about about your story because uh, here you run you run this uh, successful company here in Fresno now and and. Uh, you know, you 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 obviously pre- present like a guy who you know is is running a company, and and you're well spoken. But as we were talking earlier, that hasn't always been. And let me just say, you've got the nicest shoes on today that I've seen in a long time, and I'm way jealous. But uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> that that's for enough. Thank goodness that there's no TV cameras in here, right? So we don't get to see uh, how bad my shoes compare to yours. But but tell us about your story, Joan. Tell us how uh, how how you got here. Well, uh, thank you. Um, so, so you know, my, my story is not uncommon. You know, um, I grew up in Bakersfield, California. Um, I have a background in athletics. Um, you know, um, but one constant, you know, um, since, you know, I was in like high school, one constant was I liked to party, right? And, um, and that was one thing, you know, college, I liked to party, you know, graduate of a college sequoias. All right. Science class of 2001. Um, but, um, you know, I just, you know, always had that, that partying in me, you know, I always wanted to go to, you know, the, the latest shows and, and, you know, go to Vegas and, and, sure. and, and just, you know, wanted to tie one on and get it in. Right. And so, um, that's all fun. And when you're, you know, kind of going through that rite of passage and you're, you're growing up, but once you get a little bit older and you get responsibilities, you know, um, um, what I did is I turned to, you know, the drugs and alcohol. And, um, and so um, I was married and um, I had uh, two kids in this marriage. And, and instead of, um, you know, I just made some bad choices and I turned to drugs. Um, and but, but, but now, Jerome, let me just, uh, I want to back up just a little bit. 
you're in high school, you're in college, you like to party. Everyone experiments during that time. Right, right. Right? So for you, there was a little shift because not everyone that you partied with in high school or college took the same path that you took. Right, right. Right? Okay. So, and, and again, I, I, want, I want people to understand that are, that are listening to this that, that the path you started out on is a common path mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for people that become uh, the most successful people I- right. I- in our society. It, it's just that it, and, and that's one of the things that we don't always know about drugs and alcohol. It affects everyone differently. Yeah. And we don't necessarily know how that's going to happen until we get into it. Yeah. So okay. for me, it was, um, I liked it. You know, I started liking it. I started right. liking the lifestyle. And, and then in, in that like, I started having allergic reaction to those drugs. Like I started getting arrested and started <laughs> doing stuff that was, you know, out of character. And it just uh, became, you know, my uh, my go to. It became my number one coping mechanism. Right. You know, I'm, you know, I'm with the wife and it's, you know, you get in, you have a disagreement. Right. And, and so for me, it, have a disagreement is reason to go to the bar or reason to go use. And so um, it's just it's just like I said, I liked it. Right. And 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 I start trying, you know, it, it's, you know, it starts with, you know, you, you start with marijuana, you know, it starts with alcohol. And right. And you start doing harder things, you know, going to cocaine, led to, uh, to ecstasy, then to, you know, methamphetamine. And then, you know, once you get there, I mean, it's it, it, now, now it's on, you know, now it's, 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 it's full on addiction. And, um, and so for, so for me, I was in Utah. And and um, and my addiction um, cost me my marriage and it cost me um, at the time a relationship with my um, with my daughter and my son because I was out in Utah in the streets and and I was just, uh, you know, full blown um, uh, meth addiction, um, never been in um trouble in my life ever been in trouble right you know because I always play sports uh, so in, in, in that time I think um, I had um, end up uh, with four arrests seven allegations and I, I had my first kid at 30 so at 33 I end up with this uh, criminal background wow and um, and I end up you know going to jail you know I was w- literally working on a number for the state of Utah because the things I was doing and um, and I was out in Utah, and I was homeless, and just you know, um, just running them up. Um, and then my mom, who you know, who's uh, creative, and she was like, "Hey, your uncle passed away. I need you to come home." Because I wouldn't come home, because some part of me was, was, you know, I'm staying in Utah because I'm near my kids. Right. But I wasn't with my kids. Right. But you know, but I was near. And and I would, you know, I would, you know, in moments of clarity, I would, you know, go and. You know, I would watch and I would see them and I knew they were all right with their mom and that sort of thing. And they didn't know I was there. But but in that, um, but finally, like I said, my mom was like, oh, you need to come home. And um, and that was her way of getting me back. You know, I never thought I could come back to Bakersfield and get sober. Never thought because, you know, obviously the access in California is way different. It's just a lot, a lot of, you know, everything comes through, you know, um, comes up through the 99, you know, up through the right, valley. There's right. a lot of access, you know. If you uh, if you look at prices and different things, you know, it's, it's a lot more expensive when you get out of California. So um, so I came back home. Um, 
was in my grandparents' house and I was just running amok still. Um, I was really trying to trying to kick it, but it was just had a hold on me. Um, and um, I was just doing a lot of things I wasn't proud of. And, and then finally, um, you know, I, uh, I, had a, I had a child in my addiction. And um, that child, I always say, um, you know, that was, uh, that was God. Because he, he knew what kind of father I was. I always say that. Um, and so I had this child. And um, it was uh, December um, 23rd, um, 2016. Um, uh, she was born and, um, was in, uh, CPS came and was like, we need to remove the child out of concerns for her safety. So CPS removed the child. And, um, I always say this was one of those self-check moments because here for a month, I never knew where the child was. Right. But I, but I, I there was a court date. I missed the first court date cause I was still out there. Um, I can remember, um, I was out in a place, in the area of uh, Bakersfield, they call the the country, because, you know, a lot of people have horses and different things. Right. Um, and I was out on the street called Casa Grande, and I was walking back from Cottonwood Road, which is now called Martin Luther King. Um, and I think they just built a new elementary out there um, for that area, which is awesome. Um, and so I was walking back and forth, and, and I was laying down the street. I was just totally out of my mind. And then... Uh, a PPD officer came up to me. He's like, man, you know, somebody out there still love you. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you know, ask me all the questions you want to hurt yourself. They're like, yeah, I just want to end it. It was, I was at the end of my rope. And they took me to uh, Mary Kate Shell and um, um, 48 hour hold. I was able to sober up enough. And um, in that, in that moment, you know, um, the toxicology came back and they're like, you know, you're, you got too much stuff in you to be kind of, you know, to be uh, admitted. And so I ended up at the men's mission. And then that's when I realized I like, you know what, this is, I don't think this is, I don't think I'm here yet. You know, I just don't think I'm here. And and, and I was out, I was down and I walked down on um, Baker, um, which is right near the men's mission. And uh, that was the last time I used. I used and then I walked all the way back out to uh, Casa Grande and then I walked over to a friend's house that was in the Southwest off of Apple Blossom. And I was like, look, I'm done. I want to get my kid back. I know you have an extra room. Can I stay there? I stayed in this room. A friend let me stay and I, and I stayed in that room for like 30 days and got sober. And wow. Then, and, and that was in between the time my daughter was born. Um, I made the second um, um, court appointment, appointment and it was uh, Judge Vega. And he, at that appointment, he said, we're going to uh, pronounce you the presumed father. Because obviously uh, they, you know, they did the DNA test and I was the presumed father. And then um, uh, my clean date is uh, January 27th, uh, 2017. And I celebrated five years of sobriety. And, um, you know, from that, that point on, um, I was able to uh, be reunited with my daughter in August. Um, I moved into the Bakersfield Homeless Center. Uh, in September, I got a job with the... Um, um, with their jobs crews and uh, working on highway cleanup. So when I'm in Fresno and I'm driving along the highway and I see these guys right, right. the trash, I, it just takes me like I, I did that. I know what that I've been there, you know, and um, and um, and that that can pay that can lay a foundation. So if you're out there on the highways and you don't know why you're doing this, um, just know like picking up that trash can lay a foundation of success. Um, and so. 
Um, I, I did that, and then I, I moved into my place um, in November. I, I was on Section 8. I was on food stamps. I had a, um, I had this uh, 10-month-old or almost, no, she probably was 11, about 11-month-old little girl, and I didn't know what I was doing. And, and, um, and I was just, you know, taking it one day at a time, going to a bunch of meetings, going to a right. bunch of meetings, meeting with my sponsor. And, um, and um, I had completed a, a clinic of Sierra Vista Ebony Counseling. Um, shout out to uh, Robert Cubitt and uh, James Davis. Those are my counselors. You know, those brothers, I saw them do it, and I was like, oh, I probably should go into this field. And um, I just, from there, it's, you know, I, I went into the field, and I was actually able to come back and uh, intern at uh, Ebony Counseling. And I thought I was the first person to ever uh, intern there, but they right. have a counselor there now that I just recently found out. Her name's Heather. That she was the first person to come back and intern and get a job there, even though I just interned. And so I ended up um, from there after interning, I completed the uh, KDAC program to Cal State Bakersfield um, and then got hired on at Aspire. Wow. A wonderful uh, um, person or friend of mine told me, you know, it would be a great uh, uh, mentor for you, Scott Human. I didn't know who this guy was, and, and I met him. and. And uh, him and uh, Jessica Kaysen, uh, and and they 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 offered me a job uh, the day later, and and uh, as you say, the the rest is history. Well, Jerome, congratulations on on all your success there. And we had talked a little earlier, and and oftentimes we see someone, um, we see someone that's successful, and we immediately assume that it just must have been easy, or they're just incredibly talented. And it's only until you hear their story. And I'm not talking about just people that have been through uh, addiction and those challenges, but other things too. There's usually always a lot of hard work that goes into it. And you've obviously put in that, that hard work and the uh, driving force, as, as you mentioned, was, was your daughter. And uh, I see a lot of your posts on Facebook. Uh, and, and you are, uh, you are a, a great uh, spokesperson for fathers uh, for fathers everywhere, and uh, yeah, that's that's just uh, that's just amazing. Uh, Jerome, I'd like to take us back. You know, the the name of our podcast is Zach's Life, a, a story of love, addiction, loss, grief, and recovery. And when when we were talking earlier, you had mentioned that that there was some losses that you experienced that kind of stood out, and and those are some things that 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 were in, in, they were impactful in the past, maybe to you uh, working towards sobriety, and, and there's certainly now still some things that you that you think about and and consider. And, and I just want to give you an opportunity to to share about that. Well, well, um, I'll say one thing. Uh, my grandfather used to always say, uh, used to say, uh, uh, Luther would say to me, say, um, "Live long enough, you ain't seen nothing yet. Just keep living." And um, and you know to live is to experience loss and so you know um, in this in this life i have lived um you know there's some you know there's some personal losses you know um, uh, addiction took some things from me um i used to coach uh, track and football and mm. and that and that was uh, something that uh, my addiction kind of um you know took me out of being involved in you know obviously it was my choices 
uh, and then the, the countless people that I have lost. You know, um, the last two years has been tough, you know, especially with the pandemic. Um, uh, but one one that was really um, special to me, um, a friend of mine, Tabitha, just recently passed away. And and, um, and she's significant in my recovery because I, I remember when I was out there and she told me, she was like, it's like, I'm going to get you sober. And she was, uh, you know, she was had just newly um, entered into uh, Ebony Counseling Center. And so... Uh, so it was like uh, once I went in there um, into that program, it was like, oh, I, you know, I knew a couple of people. Right. So it wasn't right. so foreign. It wasn't like being in there by yourself and you got these people trying to tell you, you need to be here at this time. You need to do this. You need to do this homework and, and all these, these, these rules when, you know, if you, if you know about addiction, it's kind of like a free fall. You don't have really too much structure. And that's why we want to introduce, you know, individuals into basically we want to introduce individuals into a structured routine that will um, replace their problematic uh, behavioral pattern with a constructive um, behavioral pattern. And so um, I, I understand that now that that's what they're doing. But when you're, you know, coming off the streets, you don't really, you, you don't really comprehend like, what is this about? And so it's easy to, you know, um, want to run away from that. But, uh, you, you know what? And, and let me touch on that because I've, I've heard that before. And now I understand that when, when Zach first went into, he did his, his first medical detox for a couple of weeks and then his insurance kicked him out. And, and you know what? His mother and I thought, Hey, Man, dodged a bullet. He's fine. You know, he's not high anymore, right? I mean, that's that's what we mm-hmm. that's what we thought, and we we really didn't understand that. It, you know, you you get someone to stop a current behavior that they're doing, but that's what his whole life had been was about getting high. Right, right. Everything he was doing was about that's how he solved all of his problems. And if you don't feel that, you know, so now he's just an empty vessel. Right. right. He was filling it with drugs. We stopped the drugs. And well, now he's just empty. Right. And if you don't fill it with something else, right. right, if you don't have that continuing work, if you don't have that, you know, that continuing outpatient, if you don't have that sober living, if you don't have all those things that you continue to pour into them for months, because people didn't become addicted in a matter of a couple right. of days. Right. It was it was months or years in this whole process. Right. And so it takes that long to fill that back up with something right. with something different. So, so that's what I hear. You're saying now and now, every time I hear that, it makes that makes more sense. And I'm two years past this process. I didn't understand it at the time. And so I think it's it's good for it's good for families to hear if you have someone, if you have a loved one that's going through this process, just because you begin to get them help doesn't mean that now they're fixed. Once you've just diagnosed the fact that someone has cancer, you still got to go through the chemo. You still got to go through the radiation. You still got to go back and do the checkups every six months. You still have to watch, you know, uh, what your new diet is like. You still have to watch, you know, what your exercise is like. You still have to to, to fill the vessel with a positive thing. So, so it's that community. Um, I would say, like I was speaking of um, Tabitha, you know, she was one of the first people to create that community with me. Um, she was able to, you know, get me to go to celebrate recovery and um, just, you know, being able to have uh, someone that understands that's been there and you can talk to on the phone and, and having a community of men and women is what I created because, you know, um, 
you know, what's that uh, Garth Brooks song, uh, you know, Blame It on the Roots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> friends in low places. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, it's easy for me to go find those friends in low places. Right, right. I can go find right. the bar, I can go find the club. And so it's, it's a lifestyle change. I, I had to change those people in the club. And I had to change going to the bar for going to a meeting. And, 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 that, and that's tough. Yes. That's tough to do because that's all you know. Yes. It's easy to, it's easy to go back to that because that's easy. Right. That's easy. It's easy to go in and, and into that lifestyle. This lifestyle is hard because it, it, it asks you to to uh, abstain. It asks you to um, not do what you've probably been doing since you were, you know. Um, what, feel, what feels normal. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and like I said, it's, yeah, exactly. And, and if you think that it's easy to change something. Because I've, I've read a couple books about, about habit. Think about this. Every time you go to your local grocery store, you take the same route. Right. Every time you go to work, you take the same route. Tomorrow, just say, hey, I'm going to take a different route and see how hard that is. Yeah. yeah. No, we, we do what comes natural because it's just right there in our brains. And we get in the car, you back out of the, you know, out of the garage, you hit the road, you turn left, you turn right, boom, and you're there. Just take a different route and it messes with your mind. Well, that's what we're asking anyone who goes to recovery to do. And like they say, the only thing you have to change is everything. Yes, right? yes, yes. Yeah. You definitely have to change everything. <laughs> and and if you, you're able to kind of, you know, um, take yourself out of that uh, environment, because a lot of times people will get sober or they'll get uh, they'll gain some type of abstinence and then they still go back to the same environment. And, and that, that, is, that is where, you know, can be problematic for someone. And so I was lucky enough to, uh, um, you know, get out of the hood and get out of the environment and, 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 you know, and create a new environment and create, you know, new relationships. And so um, sometimes you, you hear cliche stuff like, oh, no new friends. But let me tell you, there are new friends and there are people out there that um, will, will love you like they like they knew you um, for 20 years and so don't never listen to um, that you can't make new relationships with new friends I think that is key in recovery so it, it sounds like while there were definitely some losses for you along the way you have also found and this was the other thing we talked about that each of those losses have been replaced with things that far exceeded your expectations right right so every everything that addiction took um, away from me um, um, you know my God um, has uh, you know given me back a tenfold um, I, I today I get to do this like I get to I get to come here and sit down with you and I, and I get to you know um, be involved in an individual's recovery journey and, and that's such a blessing and I'm so grateful um, that I'm able to you know share this story um, the story of, you know, if you want to call it redemption, the, the story of recovery. Uh, if you're out there you're in struggling, um, you know, my advice is reach out to someone. Ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. Um, it's okay to, to reach out. Um, and you'll be surprised at the results you'll get. Because um, there are individuals out there now that are, you know, um, breaking the stigma. And that's, um, that's it's not what it was you know, um, addiction recovery is not what it was six years ago. And that's right. because of the work of a lot of individuals uh, like Mr. Horton here and, um, and myself. And, and you just reach out, 
you know, um, as they say, closed mouths don't get fed, you know, and, and, and a closed mouth won't find recovery. And, and, and that's, that's part of what, what we do with our foundation is, is again, do our best to, to uh, tie people into those resources and, uh, and, and find, find people again about finding that help. And I, and I love, I love what you, what you say there. And one of the things that I always close with is I ask, I ask you, and you just did, I ask, you know, my guest to, if you had one thing to say to, to people that are out there, and I think that's the message right there, is, is we have to, we have to speak out. Yes, yes. We have to speak out. We have to change the way, to change our discussion about, about addiction, change our discussion about how we feel about this. It's not, it, it doesn't mean that we're less than, it means that we're looking for that help that we need and there are people out there drums such as yourself that and and in your company that really want to help that want to help want to help people and so um it's it's fantastic to to have you be uh a a part of that and 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 part of this family and to hear just uh uh gosh the success that you've had and that that you've been able to experience and so and and as we close today drum if you can um Tell people how they can reach you, how they can find out more about your story, uh, because there's a strong possibility you've resonated with somebody today, and I want them to be able to get in touch with you. Well, um, we have a, um, uh, at Aspire, we have a um, 24-hour phone line and chat. If you go to AspireCounselingService.com, there's a 24-hour chat, and then you can call our uh, 24-hour hotline at 888 585-7373. 585-7373. And Say you, that one more time. 888-585-7373. And if you want to find me, I'm on Facebook. Um, my my personal Facebook page is just recovery. So I'm Jerome A. Piper Sr. Um, and then you can, you know, if you find that, you can find all my um, different um, uh, social media platforms. And, and I post a lot of stuff. Uh, and it's so positive too. I gotta tell you, I, I love, especially the stuff with you and your daughter. I just love, I love seeing that. It's just such a, a, a positive message. And, and again, just a, just a, a glimpse of, of what success can look like. And again, by seeing that, and I know you've heard this before, it's hard to imagine that you're a guy in the streets Yeah. just a few years ago. I mean, I, I, I can't even, I can't even fathom that. That's not who you are, but that's what we find now that I'm working with the recovery communities that people, people are not their addiction. Right, right, right. It's just, that's just a season in my life. And like I tell individuals that I meet, I say, you know, this is not like basketball season or football season. It doesn't come around every year unless you choose or make the decision to bring it around. And, and in recovery, you get to do things, you know, like I recently got to, you know, um, go and see my oldest two kids and, and spend time with all my kids. And, and I think that, you know, those are the things that we take for granted. Um, those are the things that uh, addiction can, uh, can steal from you. Um, and, you know, especially being a father. Um, I have this one uh, group on Facebook called Fathers of Reunifications. You can find it under that. Um, I have another uh, group I have, man, called The Kick. A lot of good recovery stuff in there. And then um, Clean and Sober Central Valley. A lot of good... Uh, um, recovery in there 
And there's just a lot of get get connected on on social media to these recovery groups. There's so many awesome recovery podcasts, recovery groups where you can you know kind of get those daily affirmations and just connect with uh, men and women who are living a recovery lifestyle. Awesome, Jerome. Thank you so much for uh, for for joining me today, and and uh, I, I look forward. I know that we've done some collaboration in the past. I know that we're going to continue to do that too. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. I, I love your message. Uh, I, I love what you're about, Jerome. I love you, man. As always, uh, find someone today, tell them that you love them. I'm Zach Stan. This has been an episode of Zach's Life. Thank you so much for listening. For more info on our foundation and for addiction resources, visit ZacharyHortonFoundation.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a story to tell and want to be a guest on our podcast, email me directly at jim at ZacharyHortonFoundation.org.